This episode of the Rhythm Pyro podcast is brought to you by Pyro Tracks. Music is the beating heart of any pyro musical and an engaging, well-produced soundtrack that keeps your spectators drawn into the experience of your show is really the difference between a good show and a simply outstanding one. I'm Bo from Team Rhythm and I've been producing, mixing, and mastering music and audio for about 20 years. I engineer this podcast, which sounds like this before I do my thing. The podcast music, yep, that's all me too. I've gotten the opportunity to put up some really amazing shows to my own original musical compositions, and now I want to help you give your show soundtracks the care and attention that they deserve to break through the noise and be as truly unique as your show's design. Whether you're a high-volume commercial display designer that doesn't have time to do your own track production, or you're an annual backyard guy that doesn't know how, I'll work with you to take your musical vision and create a seamless, unique, and engaging track edit that will take your spectators on a journey from beginning to end. Custom intros, custom outros, voiceovers, we can track those ourselves to your script or professionally clean up and mix your audio. Song shortening, precise editing, no more jarring cuts in between songs or within the same song. Production elements, even completely original song compositions if your budget can handle it. So if that's something that interests you, head over to bozie8823.com forward slash pyrotracks with an X. That's B-O-Z-I-E 8823.com forward slash pyrotracks, P-Y-R-O-T-R-A-X. Fill out the questionnaire and let's rock and roll. You said he used, he he used Ed Sims, didn't he? Yeah, and and for some reason, at least the ones that I've always got, even if they were from Marcus, are from Arcam, those yeah. charcoal ones don't go as high as like the silver tiger tails. I have no idea why. Mm. Well, the blue tip and the red tip that I used didn't go as high as the silver tiger tails either. Which silver tiger tails? The ones from Arcam? The new ones? No, I haven't used the new ones yet. I'm still using PFX084. Hmm. Jimmy, move your mic just a little closer. Either that oh or... Oh my God, it's in my mouth. You want to it up? No, just... We're, get some... Uh, you need caffeine or wine or something. Eat a chocolate ball. What does that even mean? There you go. That's the voice Perfect. We're for. That's what I'm looking for. What does that even mean? So I just got to lean over... It's really dig in. tongue on a little soft part of this and get a little wet. You pretty much have to be like a half inch from the mic. It's so really it's like you, it's So like, when I eat my chocolate balls, I bow bitched about. I don't was 10 do feet that, away. Right. You know, use discretion, right? If you're but eating a chocolate ball, away with don't my chocolate eat balls. a chocolate ball within an inch of the mic. Period. It was 10 feet. 10 feet, Mike. It was feet. 10 feet. No, somewhere. I spent so much time editing <laughs> yomping of chocolate balls out of you the last episode. I'd like to not do that again. Uh, like my balls. Yo, <laughs> my, my chocolate balls. Chocolate so de balls. Chocolate, chocolate, make it more. Welcome to the Rhythm Pyro Podcast. Where Bozy, AJ, and Jamie ignite your passion for pyro musical show design while testing the very limits of your capacity for stupid. I think I understand why it does that, though. 
I think it ramps off in volume because you notice when I'm talking, it it stops and you can't hear it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it's doing. The whole platform is looking for for audio that's being broadcast and it's like, okay, this person's being way too loud. We need to turn them down. <laughs> Otherwise, nobody's going to be able to hear the other guy. <laughs> What's up, gang? Welcome to the Rhythm Pyro Podcast. I'm Bo. That's AJ. And I'm Jay. Oh, nah. Night. <laughs> this is in my script. It says, I'm Bo. That's AJ. And then you're Jamie. You wait until I get to your Jamie and then you say something. Let's try it again. <laughs> I'm, just We're not, I'm not going to say that again. I'm not saying that again. Do it again, dude. No, I'm not doing it again. again. <laughs> We're hobbyists. No, you're just going to do it. All three of us are hobbyists and semi professional pyro show designers. And more specifically, we, we love the pyro musicals. So this podcast is a place where we can get together, talk shop, talk art, uh, and news, and share tips and tricks and insights with you. And that's what we're going to do. Today, we're going to cover workflow. So I guess uh, before we do that, though, what's up, boys? How you doing? Hola. What's going on, brother? Oh, brothers. <laughs> Sorry. Brothers, yeah. <laughs> Busy, what man. What you say, guys? <laughs> busy. Delaying. Actually, you know what? Before we get into workflow, what uh, what's keeping you guys busy in Pyro? <laughs> What's not keeping me busy in Pyro right now? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh my God. It's like four shows. Tomorrow I go to Doug's house to go script from noon to like nine. You're scripting at Doug's house? Yeah. What do you do? What are you scripting? So we're doing, it's for the, well, it's for two shows actually. Same song. Uh, Mr. Red, White, and Blue song. So oh. he, I think he wants to take on... A big chunk of this one because he really? says he's got ideas down and he's writing stuff and, and lists and like time signatures, like listening to songs saying, all right, you know, at one twelve, I want to do this. Kind That's of really something. cool, man. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to work out, I think, better too, because it'll lighten my load onto it. Yeah. And then it just requires me going, all right, this is what you're thinking. All right. And punch it in. That's really cool. Kind of like what I do with Pops when he comes over a week before we go to the lake and I get a text message that says, Hey, Bo, I got to script my finale. When can I come over? Stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> when's, your, when's that show with Doug? Uh, June 30th. Yeah. 30th. Okay. So you guys got plenty of time. So you don't know my pain at all. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. So I'm using that song and... Yeah. And then we're going to do it at, but then we're doing that song and uh, another song at that show with Peter. And oh, yeah. So I have to do three different versions of it a really cheaper version, budget one, a medium budget one, and a very expensive budget one. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, still, though, you'll have a nice foundation. Oh yeah, I can't do this the same show twice. But if I owned a display company and I was doing stuff all the time, I mean, I don't think I'd have any problem, you know, using a foundation that was already pre-built, kind of working off of that. I know that, you that's broke actually your role for me one time. Yeah, I did one time. <laughs> I did, and I thought for sure it was all going to go to shit because it's <laughs> like, oh man, this is and it turned so out awesome. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie, what are you working on, my man? Right now, just incorporating some new product into Fireworks and messing with some DMX, testing it out and seeing how it's going to work with the flow of everything. 
Um, that test that you did with the Rockville lights on the side of the, the barn or the house or wherever you were at looked great. Yeah, they were really bright. I like that. Now I want to try the uh, the back cloth and see what it's yeah. actually going to look like and see how it'll look in the strobe effect or if I want to use some uh, just regular old par lights off to the side for strobes. Yeah. The problem that I found, at least in Finale, with the strobe effects on those lights is getting uh, the refresh rate of the strobe to match what the, the light actually does in real life. Because I think there's not really an easy way to test for that. You almost have to have a DMX controller that's, you know, not the... Um, not the modules or, you know, doing it in finale. Cause it's kind of like doing it the long way, but you know, you get a DMX controller and then try to figure out, okay, here's my value. And here's looking at the light in real life. I can see how fast it's strobing. And this looks like it matches the section of music or the feel that I'm going for. Then you almost have to like throw that into finale and then try to find that refresh rate. But could yeah. you use the beat of the music <clears throat> to match the strobe? You could another way to do it. Yeah, you can do it manually, hundred percent. I mean, when I did Power Rangers at the lake, um, that and actually, I think a lot of the the stuff for Octoblast last year was the same thing. When I was doing all of those blinks, I mean, everything was more like a one shot workflow inside of Finale, right? Everything was manually placed. There was one spot in Power Rangers that I didn't do it manually. And it was, it was almost right when they were, you know, going to that break and, um, you know, Goldar was going into his whole thing about, you know, the, the candle going out. Um, and you know, there was one section where I just used nothing but just straight white light. And I used that, that strobing effect, um, that was built into finale and it worked, but it took me a while to figure out how to code um, basically that over there's like an overlay effect that you put over top of cues that are grouped up in finale that make them strobe. Um, and I can't remember exactly what they, they call that, but you know, you overlay it over top of your cues and then it will kind of match the strobe. Problem is, is like when I was programming the refresh rate into finale, like there were three distinct refresh rates that really worked and the other ones it just kind of seemed hit or miss so i don't know part of that's probably user error i probably couldn't figure it out but i think it got to the point where i just found which one looked good in real life testing and then you know export it out continually grab a light and then run the script it's just a really long way yep to do testing but that's what i'm doing yeah <laughs> that's what i'm doing yeah and i feel so, i'm, so, I'm sorry it. buddy once you, you have it, it you right? review it, you've uh, got to watch it live because the strobe doesn't show up in the yeah. recording very well. Yeah. But yeah. once you have those settings, they're set forever though, right? Yeah. Once you have the settings, they're set forever. But, so you it's know, like making a sim pretty much perfectly. It's, it's, yeah, it is like making a sim. The problem is, is you know, you, you almost have to... Um, you got to figure out in Finale, <laughs> in his code string, you know, because you're, you're telling it, hey, use this refresh rate to simulate how fast this light is going to strobe, right? And I found the same thing with like DMX lighting software. You have to get it just right to figure out if, you know, where you're at on that fader matches what your light is doing in real life. Because if it's not, then, you know, you might get to feel wrong. So what about yourself, brother? What have you been up to for pyro? Well, God, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot for you oh too boy. right now. Yeah, it's... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's nuts, man. Uh, the Lake Show, Lake Show's probably sixty to seventy percent done. I finished the I finished the song. Um, so both both grandmother, you guys know, both grandmothers died last year. Um, so this year's, you know, the lake is my grandmother on my dad's side. That's her property, and that's where the party goes every year. So we, this year it's going to be it's extremely emotional. Um, you know, writing the like writing the song. And then really the, the, the lyrics, trying to think up lyrics for that song was just absolutely painstaking. I mean, there was probably a good week to two weeks ago where, I mean, I had to walk away from the computer and the studio for, um, I mean, I, every two or three hours, I just had to take a break because it was, it's just, it was too much. It's going to be a tribute to your grandma. Yeah. It's going to be a tribute to, to both Cease and, uh, Cease and Grandma Nini. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it it'll be cool, man. Um, and it's it's gonna be neat for you know for pops too because he's he's really gonna kind of go outside of his comfort zone and change. You know, we've had the the body um, of the Lake Show for the most part has always been the same songs for you know the twenty or thirty minutes that he shoots before the finale pirate musical goes up, and he's gonna change almost that entire like, that entire track. So I mean, this is definitely a departure for for him too. So it's it's a cool experience, man. It's, it's one that you, you know, I, you know, that you get to that point in life where, where you're the people that you love the most, you're getting older. And, um, it, this is, it's, it's been fun to kind of, to kind of work on this with dad, but at the same time, it's kind of, um, emotional. It's yes. Extremely. hundred percent. So I'm sure you'll do it justice, brother. She'll I hope watching. so. She's got the best seats in the house. They she have did, the best yeah. seats. Yeah, also. they do. I <laughs> wish they could. Uh, you know, I wish I could tell them to record me some some footage. Oh God! <laughs> Send me the MP4s, heaven. please. Please, <laughs> <laughs> Max, up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's do. Uh, so let's let's dive into to workflow. And I guess let me. Let me set the stage for what I mean by workflow, because this could be, I mean, there's a workflow for every single little sub compartmentalized part of pyro show design period. So what I mean by workflow, and I guess what we're going to really unpack here at a 10,000 foot level is scripted work. One, it's all going to be in the context of scripted work and pyro musicals from beginning to end. What's your workflow? Where do you start? Right. If you know you're going to get a show, what is step one all the way through to to what you do prior to show day? And you know we don't need to dive into these at depth. We can we can do that at a later date if we want to you know talk about these ad nauseum in in subcontext. But we'll start with um, AJ. Say, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, we'll start. We can start with Jamie. Jamie, you for uh, for your show. Every single year for your annual pyro musical at Potts Farm, what is what's step one for you? Well, step one, since I already know my venue is uh, is choosing some music that will fit amongst my crowd of young kids, country boys, and uh, all the visitors that come out from all ages. So I look for music that I, I like that I know other people will like too, to kind of reach them all. Cause everybody seems to enjoy the fireworks, but they also like the music. So I try to make something that's going to reach out to everybody so they all can enjoy it. And, uh, 
From there, then I start just playing around in a simulation and uh, listening to the music over and over again. I, I listen to the music while I'm mowing. I listen to the music while I'm driving and just start finding points that I'm like, okay, I can do that. And then I start visualizing it and then I start putting it into a simulation to kind of see what it, what it does. And then I proceed to work on it for several months until it's something that I like. And then I start prepping the work several months in advance, testing, uh, taking it out on shoot sites, testing different angles, different, just visually actually see it. And then uh, usually about a couple of weeks before the shoot date is when I actually start getting out on the shoot site, prepping the site, getting product out there and uh, trying to make it where it can actually be shot off at a, a reasonable hour that I actually tell them it's going to be shot off at. <laughs> Sounds like you differ a little bit in the sense that the music selection, you're still very considerate about the people that you're doing the show for. I myself am completely guilty of this. If I'm paying for a show and I know it's like one of those things where it's straight out of pocket, you know what? Screw it. You guys are going to listen to what I want you to listen to. But it's a totally different thing if somebody else is paying for it. You know, if somebody else is paying Absolutely. for it, it's a sponsored show, then they get what they want. I'll typically, absolutely, if, if if I'm paying for it, there's definitely going to be some aspect in that show that I truly love or I truly want a song or a product or whatever it is. Yeah. But just gonna, everybody donates to, to the, the party. It's not even my party. I just put on the show because I love Pyro so much. So I try to cater to everybody and make sure everybody enjoys it. And also to make sure that, you know, those donations are a little bit higher the next year. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, AJ? Where do you start? Oh, well, to be honest, completely honest, just First in panic mode. <laughs> panic <laughs> mode? Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I call Bo, I'm freaking out, man. <laughs> like, oh, all winter I was hoping to get something done and nothing got done. <clears throat> but no, I mean, I'm pretty much similar to where Jamie starts off. Every, and of course, it's always about the music. But I usually listen to music all year round and find stuff. The problem is, is for me, especially, and I, and I know both, of you know, this is my issue. I get addicted to a few songs, but then something else catches me and it's like, all right, now yeah. I want to go to that. So music selection for me takes a little longer, but only if it's more than one song in a show. So I guess yeah, yeah. this year's just killing me. I know. But, yeah. <laughs> this music's basically what it is, but and not like, um, I guess Jamie as well. I don't care because I'm paying for it. So I'll, <laughs> I'll put some death metal in there if I want yeah. to. <laughs> yep. yeah. But I, I mean, I try to pick something that I know is crowd friendly. You know, I don't yeah. come out there with cuss words and everything. You yeah. know, there's yeah. a couple songs I really like to do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. then that, once I have the music locked down and um, into the system, by the time I jump into it, usually I'm already thinking ahead of time. All right, you know, I thought, you know, I would like to follow the lyrics for this section. I'd like to follow the drums for this section or the guitars for this section. I try to find something in a song that if a person doesn't know it and the first time they're going to hear it, what part of the song do are they going to hear the most? They're obviously yep. maybe not going to understand the lyrics if they're quick or if they're in a heavy section, but they're going to hear those drums or that snare or they're going to hear that whatever that one something is and usually that's the best thing about asking my wife because i'm like 
what do you hear in this song? Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's and good. it really finding the the focal point in in music is huge, right? When artists make music, they're trying to make a section to to make you feel a certain way, but in almost every single piece of music, like in the in the music that I've written, I mean, there's sections of the song that are every single section has a focal point. It has something that I specifically put there that was meant to be, yeah, it's meant to be that part (laughs) that I want people to pay attention to. Right. And every, I think every artist does it the exact same way. So what's cool about fireworks and the visual aspect along with the music is you get to see how other people interpret that same section or that piece of music, which is really stinking cool. Yep. Oh. One of these days, I would love to do something too between like the three of us, where we both you know throw out a piece of music, just a little thirty second piece, and just completely unabated, all three of us separate, and not even talk about it, and just do a really quick design and see or see what the other person hears, which is cool because again, you're you're creating that emphasis for all of the people that you're putting the show on for. So chances are, if you bring attention to that focal point, then they're going to understand it too. So after music selection, is it safe to say that all three of us, to a degree, after music has been semi-solidified, I'm doing the air quotes thing. Once that music is selected, you go into product analysis mode and then it's just a matter of, okay, what do we think this, what do you think the section screams to be able to, you know, begin layout? Or do you guys do anything in between, you know, the actual selection of the music and going to your, to your timeline to start laying cues out? I usually, after I find music that I like, like I, I really feel something, I listen to it. A lot, <laughs> a lot. And uh, I'll be like, well, I kind of want to take that little small section and figure out, am I going to use the whole song or am I going to use 75% of it? What am I going to use? And if I'm using two songs, okay, where would be a good break point? And once I got that, now I know, okay, I'm working with five minutes and I can, I'll actually go through Audacity or some other music cut down app and I'll, I'll make the track kind of what I'm wanting to use. So then I can start playing with it that way. Yeah. Um, but I'll listen to it just kind of like AJ said, listening for, you know, guitar solos and, you know, vocalist points and just different areas. And I'm like, okay. And I'll be thinking about it while I'm listening to it. And then I'll start incorporating it into a simulation and start playing around with it and be like, oh, I like that. And then I might <laughs> even edit the song again after I started. I was like, I really want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, it's kind of cool you say that. Cause like the, you know, there's, when you take one piece of music, you know, especially in the kinds of pirate musicals that we tend to do where, you know, like the budget isn't obviously what you need it to be to feel like you can convey <laughs> the whole freaking thing over, you know, like a five Cues. minute song. Yeah. What budget? Uh-huh. So it's the being able to you break every year. Be, uh-huh. <laughs> being able to cut those, like being able to cut those songs down tastefully and, and still, Uphold the, the message. Yeah. Uh, still uphold the integrity of the piece of music is it's Absolutely. super, yeah, super important. Right. Because it's like, you can find jarring points in that it's noticeable when you hit yeah. sections in a song, if somebody screws up the track stitch between one song and another, like it's that's, that's impactful because if you can hear it, if you say to yourself, uh Oh, 
I heard that and it doesn't sound right. Then all of a sudden it's like, you know, I, it almost unplugs you a little bit. It pulls yeah. you out of the way that things look and feel. Yep. All right. And Jamie, do you put any kind of points on a timeline? Will you go through a section of music um, and then throw points on a timeline uh, before you actually start laying stuff out? Or do you more do the, the visual walkthrough of your timeline? Like, okay, I'm working on this section. I'll just start laying things out and then see how it all kind of comes together. I don't quite understand your question a hundred percent. He's I asking will, you, do you do it in a, in a, do in I start a from zero seconds to four minutes or exactly. do I jump, or do you jump around? around and then you have no idea. You're like, Oh, these comics look good here. Let me try this. Nope. Let's move them this way. Nope. Let's try it this way. I or do you visualize it in your head before you lay it on the timeline. I do it all. Um, I visualize it as a start and then I will, I, I go to a section I'm like really feeling like, just like, you know, you hear about authors, you know, they write down their, their thoughts and their notes as soon as they have them. So they don't forget about them. I do the same thing when I'm scripting, like, I really want to do this, you know, the guitar solo and danger zone. I started figuring out how I wanted to run a zipper cake. And then I found one finally and tore it apart and figured out how I want to do it. Um, I worked on that for a while cause I was really in the mood for it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm bored with this. I'm done. And I went somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. And, and and then like AJ said, I'll lay comet runs out, mine runs down. I'll put comets down, but like, no, I think I want to try mines and I'll, I'll put it on the timeline so I can kind of visualize it. I know what I'm trying to do, but I, until I see it, it's not working out so well. Yeah. Do you ever go outside of um, the context of your music to you know, create really cool chases and really cool runs? And you're like, okay, now I have this. I'm going to figure out where I can use this same thing more or less in the context of the show. Absolutely. Like uh, Parabolics doing angel wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anytime I can find a chance to use those, again, danger zone. When they talk about wings, guess what I'm going to use? I'm going to use two <laughs> parabolics. <laughs> when you say right into the danger zone, I'm yep. going to do a parabolic that draws yeah. into itself. Yeah, there's multiple things that I'll use, and I'll use it in multiple shows if I if I hear it. Um, songs that have butterfly, of course, I'm going to find me a butterfly slice. A um, lot of things like that. Cool. AJ, I think you and I, we have a similar workflow where it's almost like we'll listen to that music, but we get technical in the identification of the hit points on the timeline in that music. And then we'll go back and then figure out, okay, how do we build something that helps emphasize the focal points that we've identified and just listening and kind of scrutinizing the waveform? Yeah. And it's the only problem with that is too, and I, I think you can agree with me on this one. There's some parts of music that we hear that other people don't hear. And mm -hmm. I catch that a lot by asking Amber, I'm like, what about this part? She's like, oh, I don't really pay attention to that. And I'm like, God, that was a focus yeah. point in my head. <laughs> it's kind of cool you say that because it goes back to what we were talking about before in terms of, you know, you're, you're seeing a visual representation of what somebody else heard. Just There's like times art. where, um, and I think like you, you're a drummer. I remember watching some of your first show designs. Hardcore, man. You were hitting every snare crack, all of these double bass movements through different sections of songs. You could tell 
what you were emphasizing and like the drums, especially in, you know, these faster pyro musical segments, there's something that everybody can see and follow. There's no right or wrong answer when it comes to, to doing that stuff. I mean, whether you're following a vocal, whether you're following a, a guitar part, um, you know, I, shit, uh, uh, a freaking flute. I, I don't, whatever's playing. I, I think the most important message and takeaway when it comes to the analysis of music selection and figuring out what you're going to put where is what do you hear, right? What yeah. do you hear and what are you paying attention to? Because if you can design something beautiful around that, then everyone else is going to see. I mean, it's almost going to be a window to, you know, it's, it's a window to what you saw which is, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Well, not only that, but it's, I believe the shows turn out better when it's something that, like you said, you're representing something that you hear, you know what I mean? Because it's what you hear, it's what you feel. So then when you script something, you feel like you actually want to do something with it or something that it's going to be actually easier or Oh God, how am I trying to put this? I know you know what I'm saying here. You know, it shows a little side of you, like you're saying, but it becomes easier. Yeah. I don't know. There's a, been a few times I played around with songs. Like I was like, Oh, someone will like this. This would be a good song to just, and then I just don't feel it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I walk away from it. Yeah. There's parts of the design workflow. Like, cause I've done it too, where, you know, I've identified something on my waveforms where I'll go in, I'll have something laid out in finale and then I'll have the, all of these hit points on my waveform. Like, okay, I, here's what I'm sold on. This is exactly what I'm going to design to. And I'll sit down for two days, work on that, you know, little 30 or 45 second segment. And then when the whole thing's said and done, I hate this. I hate oh. this. Yeah. Right. I, we're going to start from square one cause it's total garbage. Um, Welcome to 2023, because that's what I've been doing all month. (laughs) (laughs) You guys come from, uh, both of you have more of a music background too, so you look at things a little differently. So like you said, but that's what makes your show awesome. I just, I enjoy just listening to music, feeling the music. And that's, that's how I script is just based on how, how it makes me feel and the emotional aspect of the song. You guys are more technical with the drum snares and the bass lines and things like that, that some other people may not get. You don't have to be script any particular way. It's an art. Yeah. Everybody's artistic aspect is completely different and... 100% 100% dude because I, I think when you get to when you get it I think a lot of that too can change with the kind of show that you're trying to put up I mean let's face yeah. it like a lot of us we deal in in one four pirate musicals pretty much almost exclusively I mean I think of some of us deal in the one three stuff like I'll do one three stuff for OPEG AJ you do some of the, the one three stuff with um with RKM but I mean to a degree the bigger you get with your display um the harder, the harder back. The, well, the harder, yeah. Well, the harder, yeah. What, what if you've got six inch shells just going, going ape to emphasize a downbeat, right? And you've got everyone's heads looking to the sky. Is that a good place to put in a, a bunch of low level one shot work below it to emphasize a cool segment that had something there? Good luck doing that tastefully, you know, because you're going to be pulling attention on the field visually, the musical attention might be there, but to be able to get people to look, you know, way up in the sky, um, to, to view these six inch shells with whatever, 
you know, crescendo you're trying to hit in a piece of music, but then you've got a bunch of stuff going on underneath it. Unless you can figure out how to kind of tailor all of that into one easily digestible sight picture, it gets a little more difficult. You know, with one, four displays, I think we have the luxury of being able to look out on a field and see everything that's going on without kind of herky jerky and everybody's necks around, um, to look at things. Yeah. I mean, so you're talking about keeping your shells breaking when they should and not doing a bunch of stuff down low where you're like, Oh, I had to look back down again. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sorry. I just want to make sure I was following what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for the other listeners out there that are, I'm, I'm, I'm AJ by the way, and I'm, kind of slow if you don't oh, hear it in you my said voice. it not me i know it's okay <laughs> i can admit it i'm actually pretty stupid i'm not AJ. book smart in, in the workflow <laughs> process i have a question for you absolutely so since you have uh you know, color issues how do you address that in your workflow on you know selecting products? <laughs> you went there. You colorblind. Yeah. He went there. <laughs> it's, fine. it's completely fine. Hey, it's a legit question so, because and, and you know, true, though, you're colorblind and you put on some beautiful, amazing shows that are very color harmonic. And how, how do you go about doing that? Something with a, with a color colorblind <laughs> handicap in the fireworks industry. So believe it or not, there's actually a lot of colorblind people in pyro, and I didn't know it. I'm not a lot of people that I know that I hang out with, but when I went to, to change the subject in a half a second, <laughs> <laughs> with the red and green on the Cobra, the lights, I can't see it in the sun. They both look identical to me. I can't see them. Oh, yeah. So I That's had right. Scott to change it to blue and, and green so I could see the difference between the two. Well, everybody on the Cobra site was like, oh, I can't see him either. I'm colorblind too. And I was like, wow, there is other people that shoot shows that are colorblind. So I'm not the only one. But to answer your question, um, it wasn't until after 2020, I'm sorry, 2021 show, uh, my buddy Bo here said, we're going to have to work on some color flow variations or something. He said to me, I don't remember the exact harmony dictionary words he was giving me yeah, color harmonies <laughs> but uh you know he said you know you start using a color wheel and it really clicked with me to think well yeah i'm colorblind i guess that'd be the best way to do it and even if you're not colorblind i'm sure it's a great way to start you know it's something that you can reference 24 7 to see what goes with it yep cool cool yeah yeah you, you treat your wife good enough to where when you make something uh you're like hey did i completely screw this up or am I on the right, you know, am I in the ballpark of oh semi-digestible? I send stuff to you guys all the time. Is this red <laughs> <laughs> or is this orange? Is this green <laughs> or yellow? Is this blue, purple, or pink? That's good. You know what? Either. I think before we, st- I think before we start the Rhythm Pyro podcast, Facebook, I'm going to make a, a goof Facebook group. It's going to be pyro design for the colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> AJ, you can be a AJ's moderator. Admin. No, yeah, AJ's admin. a moderator. Uh, the admin. <laughs> guys can get together oh for you know, semi-annual bowling tournaments or something. All green show. <laughs> yeah. Looks yellow. It's already a right green show. <laughs> so, all right, let's see here. We had, uh, let's see, we left off at, um, I guess, laying actually la- down and landing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things that go on when it, when it comes to throwing things on a timeline, when you guys feel like the design is done and I'm talking about hundred percent, the creative stuff. Um, 
Do you guys do anything else in the administration of you know prep work inside? Um, you know, whether it be inside your design software, you know, and I think we're all a little different. AJ AJ uses ShowSim. Jamie and I are on Finale 3D. Um, but I mean, what do you guys do? Uh, once it, once you're done with the creative stuff, right? Once you're out of that creative mindset and you're totally happy with the way that your display looks in the, in the visual simulation, where do you guys go from there? So at this point, we're, uh, just to be clear, we're ready to get this show a rocking is what you're saying. Yeah, you're right? ready we're, to we're rock. Good. You're ready okay. to rock and roll. It's time to file away the, uh, Liberace, totally artsy fartsy creative stuff and start kind of putting the rubber of the road on how do I take everything that I've created in this visualization and my sim and make it shootable. The first thing I will do is I'll make several copies and label it final script. So (laughs) I know I'm using the correct script and it's done and I have multiple copies because you're saying you got a, you got a file folder where you've got 40 files in it and there's no discernible way to tell which one's the final show file. Final version 1.1. The one is final version (laughs) (laughs) 6.0.6. I will clear up everything. So basically I'll make sure I have the final rendered file on the USB drives everywhere I need. So I have it at all times and it doesn't get lost. But at that point now, it's, I need to get everything in order. I need to get off reports. I need to get my product, make sure I've got all the product that I have in my, in my SIM. And if I don't, I need to really quickly find it, but I'll print off the reports and actually get my hands on all the product, print labels and start separating things, how it needs to go. So I can, uh, on a shoot day, it's not crazy it's just yeah. drop and go or everybody i can have anybody on my shoot site who's never helped me before know what needs to be done i just handed them a section say hey go handle this right um, but it's basically just organization getting off the reports getting the product getting everything labeled get all my racks set um to the angles they need to be everything i can possibly do um prior to a shoot to actually just minimize the workload. Right. Make it more efficient on site for everybody that shows up to help. Exactly. Yeah. Are you placing your orders for things after you're completely done and your, your design's completely laid out or are you in tandem while you're walking through that process, kind of, you know, working with your manufacturers and earmarking stuff? Post COVID. I am (laughs) (laughs) post COVID. I am, uh, finding that product early on in the stage. So January, February, March at the latest, I, if I'm scripting something and there's a product, I'll be like, I really want to use this for this section. I'm, I'm hunting that down. Yeah. Um, just like the, the one section I did for a guitar solo with a zipper cake. I spent a month talking to you and AJ and multiple other people out there trying to find a particular zipper that I needed that I could utilize. And until I found it, I was up in the air in 45 seconds of my show. Um, so I do it as I'm scripting. Uh, a lot of the stuff I have uh, on hand, a lot of the stuff I know I can get pretty easily, but some of the stuff I'm like that's unique or specific that I've seen that I really want for a particular section, I'm grabbing it as I go and uh, making sure I get that stuff ordered earlier than later. And I'm similar, I guess, to the same way, but I 
order as I script are. Yeah, yeah, that too. That's true. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. It's a lot easier to script if you have something in your hands. We all know this. You kind of got like you kind of got traumatized though because you had you had Sky Wars going on in tandem with COVID. So I I can see why that would be immensely traumatic product sourcing experience. PSD going. Yeah, right. So so anything going forward, you're like, oh, well, yeah, I'm when getting it and I'm keeping it. shots in 2020, so. That's, but there's plenty of them. <laughs> there will Seven. be plenty of those. You don't worry about it. Marcus Seven. has Still got you, buddy. It. Oh, exactly. Well, that's where I was going to go. The, the, Who's and Marcus? Think, oh, well, he's Fireworks the, forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say where it's from, though, so somebody else has to say it. <laughs> I'll make it sound like Nevada when we're talking about Nevada. In, NVIDIA. NVIDIA. There we go. See? I know people Do are going to ask that. I'm going to be like, what? Why is, why is Nevada a safe word? Well, because when AJ read it, um, it was supposed to be NVIDIA. But, you know, they all look the same. I am not a small man. <laughs> but I mean, so go back to that. It, it's when you're sourcing this stuff, after, or at least for me, when I'm going through this, if I don't have it, I see if I can get it. And if I, it's, if it's not online, then I'll call and see if it's coming in and get the, is it for sure? Or is it like a maybe, or is this like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, but the cool part is, is whoever your vendors are out there, if whoever's listening to this and they were thinking about doing this or want to know more, Find someone that's that's really cool that's going to hold for you because there's vendors uh, like Marcus, for instance, from Fireworks Ever. He will hold stuff for me, or you know, which is great. It's it's awesome. You don't get a lot of people to actually do something like that. And Fireworks same thing forever. at Cam. What's that? <laughs> Stop talking about it. <laughs> So like I said, Brian at Arcam, you know, they'll hold stuff too, and and they're pretty good about that kind of thing. So it's nice to have that on your side. If not, you'll drive yourself nuts. At yeah. least for me, that's, I would drive myself nuts. I don't yeah. understand how you do it, Bo, to be honest with you, where you might something you're like, Oh, and I'll source. Oh, I couldn't yeah. find it. So I switched it. So that's a gift on another side that I don't have. Well, I don't, uh, that would drive I, me nuts. you're hundred percent correct. Right. Having those supplier relationships is, is huge. Right. During that product selection, I hurt big time through COVID. That's why Power Rangers was really, we have leftover product that's a smorgasbord of tons and tons of different colors. So before I even knew that I was going to do a Power Rangers show, I'm trying to think to myself, how in the hell is somebody who likes to get super harmonizing with colors, do I get rid of all of this product that's not the same color? You know, none of it's matchy-matchy in any way, shape, or form. What do I do? So I harmonized through the theme of the show. Oh, sorry. I pushed the mute button. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why? I don't see a thing on the timeline. AJ, how do you separate the creative from the technical um, when it comes to design? And then how do you kind of segue that into, um, okay, now I have to start, you know, creating something that's shootable on the field. Hmm. (laughs) Well... I think anything I design would be shootable. <laughs> At least it comes from my brain. <laughs> but there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said 
for that particular piece of it, right? Because I think a lot of people, uh, when they roll out their first couple of pirate musicals, you know, they'll lay stuff out on the timeline. They'll dump the entirety of all of their stuff into, you know, a, a few launch containers in their software, you know, a few launch positions, either in finale or in show sim, and then run it out to the field and then realize, oh shit, I one, I probably didn't buy enough match to fit all of this stuff within a 2020 footprint. Um, you know, like I, there's, there's a lot that goes into kind of pre-prep. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I think it's a learning experience too, though. I mean, really it is. So, I mean, your first, at least my first one, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, between three footer, seven footer, 10 footers for matches, that kind of thing. Like thinking of those aspects, that wasn't even a thought in my brain, even though like I had had conversations with you and you had guided me through so much before that first bar musical I did. It wasn't really something I really truly even Understood. thought about. Yeah. Really? Cause you don't, you don't know what's going on. So I had nothing but 10 footers and try Mm-hmm. I think we had 10 footers for the show that you came up for too, that yep. we used like three feet of. <laughs> so I think once you learn your equipment and your site and understand after your first show, I think that comes after that fact. But yeah. I guess if I had to give advice to someone out there, and here we go, it's the advice. You gonna play it both? Are you play it? Oh, wait, here we go. Hola amigos, this is Fireworks and by Isis Luis Alfredo. Sit down, grab your pillow, and enjoy a siesta while he tells you about how his way of doing things is muy superioso, okay? That was a beautiful segue, man. I'm so happy you said that. As soon as you said advice, I like my my eyebrow ticked up. I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go ahead. Hit me with it, buddy. <laughs> Oh my God. I lost the whole train of thought there. I was going to say, please tell me you didn't forget the advice. <laughs> oh, man. Say it no, again. no, totally, totally, it's just it. my opinion. Just my opinion. It would be so your first show, if you're going to ask, if you're talking to someone about it or talk to somebody like you know, that's done this before oh, and ask their advice and listen to their advice and adjust from there. Because if you go in thinking, oh, I'm just going to do this all this way, you're, you're going to suffer your first one. Yeah. And you'll mm-hmm. learn the hard way, pretty much. Amen. So yeah. hey, I've done it. Everybody here has done it. All, all of us have done it. And I think that <laughs> it, I think that's the community curse, right? And I, th- I think right. as hobbyist designers, because all of us do this just because we love to do it, when we get on these the Facebook groups and the forums and stuff, and we're like, oh my God, how do you do this? And then you see all these answers. One, you don't know which answer to pay attention to a lot of the time, but then you'll get people that will more along the line say the same kind of stuff. Um you learn really, you learn really quick. I was, I was one of those people where I was stubborn as all get out. Right. And I I learned really quickly how to be humbled in the face of the people that, that knew what they were doing. Because I mean, whether it's goofy, stupid rack builds or the wrong way to lay things out in, in launch positions or, you know, not making an efficient use of my budget when it comes to e-match selection and all of this stuff. Yeah. Frog tape. <laughs> Frog tape versus painters tape. tape. Yeah, I, the the uh, our internal chat's going nuts here. He's making sure that I I hit that. Yeah, Frog tape's a big one. Uh, if you don't want your crap to be dirty, but if you want your crap to look dirty because you don't shoot enough shows every year, then 
you use Harbor Freight masking tape because oh it makes God. your racks look more manly. And oh, it's used. That's why it doesn't come off. <laughs> <laughs> it's Harbor Freight tape. Oh my God. It's for a tighter fit in there. On the Ryan <laughs> Craig, I apologize that your racks get treated in such a way. You've <laughs> <laughs> been reduced to Arbor Freight. <laughs> okay, amigos. This has been Fireworks by Isis Luis Alfredo. Later. <laughs> It's oh, great. Oh, and I wonder why I can't get anything done in a day. <laughs> Is that Katie? I got no. It's not Katie. It's some. Uh, it's some little AI like text thing. to speech AI Mexican okay. kid that I found I on like, the internet. Man, Katie's awesome. She nailed it. She, <laughs> she, she nailed that lie, delivery. She's been like, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Okay, like it's okay. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. Hey. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let's uh, uh, let's see. What? All right. I think what do we. You do, Bo? So, oh, how do I do? Your, okay, your pages what? and pages at Skywars was epic. Yeah. Can I throw one thing in with that? Yeah. Go ahead. So, because Jamie was talking about adding reports and things like that and stuff he does. And it, it goes back to what we were discussing. Everyone is a little different and, and no right way is the wrong way and no wrong way is the right way kind of thing for everybody. I don't really have a lot of reports for my shows. I think the, the only thing that I do and I handwrite it because I can't print it out is I handwrite what channel is going to where on the field at what module. So that way I, I have a list. If something goes wrong, I have something to look back on. But yeah, I really so you got, a, you got a master reference that you can kind of look down at and go, hey, okay, if I see a continuity issue here you know, and it's on channel 32, you can easily find out where 32 is on the field. Correct. But for reports for anything else, there's not a lot of reports that I really use. I guess the, the only one I guess you technically use, but I never print them out is finding your angles, getting all that stuff set up yeah. and making sure... I guess that's an important thing. I don't know if that'll be another subject down the line, but whatever racks you're using people, make sure that you can fit all the angles that you can possibly fit in that location. Cause I've done it one time yeah, on accident absolutely and it talk sucks. About later. Yep. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And, and I think that kind of goes back to what you're saying before. Know the limitations of, of your, your gear. The main thing is you just, you have limitations of your shoot site and your equipment. So you need to pay attention to that while you're designing. That's why I test. I mean, I shot those meteors into the woods, but I tested it before. So I adjusted my angles of my script after I was done, after I realized, oh, there's trees there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and a meteor oh. into the trees sounds like a baseball. <laughs> mm, it's just pyro pinball. I guess it'd be more like a golf ball. <laughs> But let's go back to where Jamie asked you, you know, he was talking about Skywars and the reports and stuff for you. I mean, you had what, 2011 cues? Yeah, it was 2011 cues. But I, I think so my, two days. yeah, my, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was basically two and with a half. No product like, on site. With no product on site. It was hell days. It, it's fine. It's fine because you know what? That's a normal pyro show. 
<laughs> That's normal. <laughs> I wish if I had the luxury to, to, to build a lot of it uh, somewhere else myself, I probably still wouldn't do it because that sounds terrible. <laughs> that doesn't sound like any fun at all. And I trust you guys. So all ship well. the pyro dad. That's right. So when it comes to reports, um, I've, I've changed the way I look at reports and I'm not saying, you know, physically look at them. I've, I've changed. I realized that one, I was wasting a ton of paper, <laughs> which I say tongue in cheek because I really, I don't necessarily care about that. But before, like when I would do the lake shows every single year, I found that I was the only one looking at these reports, right? Because, you know, anytime we did different positions, um, I would either hand them my book and then they would go do it. And they, they would be the only person, not only have a crew of like, you know, four or five guys at the lake any one given year. So the book was just there for people to reference. But for the most part, the only report in finale business at the time, and even now, I guess, in um, 3D that I find super valuable is uh, the loading report. But even saying that, I've changed my outlook on using that report. Um, now I've found it a lot easier to export my script in, in ACS II format, ASCII format, out to like an Excel spreadsheet, and then make it sortable. So when I'm doing rack setting before we ever get to a show, that's really the only thing I'll do before a show. But setting those racks before the show, I can open up my spreadsheet and instead of like thumbing through a bunch of papers to get to the one that shows all of my stuff and where all my angles need to be on a rack, now I can not only filter, um, buy that rack in an Excel spreadsheet, but I can also sort them by how the angles go, right? So I can do a sort that'll tell me, okay, you got five shots that all go 60, 60 degrees, you know? So then I can change those five chambers to 60 degrees and then it just moves on to the next. So I can do it in, in order, but at a high level, if it's a show that really doesn't require, because I think even when you guys came to, to help at the lake, I think I just did like a little Google Drive or a little Google Sheets where everybody could kind of jump into the sheet, find whatever rack they were working on, and then you guys could kind of sort and kind of do that from there. And I don't know if that was helpful for you guys to do, because again, I was I would always do those, but I would do them on the computer. I, I bet it was probably more of a pain in the butt to try to do that working on your phone. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a smaller screen. You're outside, you're staring at it. Yeah. yeah. Like, so like, and in in what you're talking about was extremely helpful. Once you uh, relayed that information to me of how to do that, that made setup so much more easier. Yeah, I mean, it's a, usually it, have to count it. In like yeah, you got to yeah, you got to count them, and it's it's really cool. Like in Excel, if you just you grab a cell, you drag down. If it, let's say say you have fifteen, um, you know, fifteen or sixteen straight up, um, you know, vertical shots on a rack. It's a whole lot to look at when you're looking at it top down in Excel or in Google Sheets. If you highlight every single one of those, it'll give you a count. It'll tell you, you know, lower right-hand corner of either one of those programs. It'll tell you exactly how many cells you have selected. So from there, you can just, you know, grab a piece of tape and mark your chambers off and then boom, go through and do your, do your setup afterwards. So, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. Um, loading and setup reports are, are one thing. I think it's Skywars. Skywars was a different story because the, yeah. because everything was so, 
um, accelerated. Yeah, it was <laughs> because things were, were so accelerated and set up, you know, I wanted to make sure that as all of these different crews were divided out into workloads, you know, first day and a half were really just one shots. And then everything else was, I think AJ, I think you did a lot of the cakes and then a lot of the uh, slices for that stuff too. But or at least I know I you were, any you slices. Were, well, no you, you were my auditor on, you were my auditor on you slices. You had a plan for, for each, fire. you had a plan for each day to have certain sections done and you had different people dedicated to different sections as well. Yeah, that's, that's kind of stuff that, you know, I'll sit back and when you're looking at a really, really big show like that, that's the only time that I'll ever go to that length. And I think I even built a, like an Excel backend that just puked out a report that would tell people, okay, you have this rack and at this rack, you're going to be, you know, you'll have this product. So you'll go grab your box of that product, which was already sorted because we did that day one. And yep. then from there, it even had a, here's all of the hardware that's going to be available to you for this position. That kind of stuff is super, like that kind of stuff, super rare. I, I think that like doing, doing that level of, over like basically planning and oversight. I mean, if there was another big show that I had to do again, maybe I'd do something similar to that because it just depends on depends on the setup. But I mean, you know, AJ does more or less the same kind of show, huge show, and it's way less. You know, that you don't see any of the reports, you don't see any of this stuff, and that's not to say that that stuff does not work because again, he does a you know you do a really good job of conveying what our job is on site. And I think that's really w what it comes down to, right? It's, it's having a plan and well, knowing how you I also come there with everything sorted in boxes, like you said, everybody you else does. So that's a whole nother section that, you, yeah. that doesn't have to be, you know, yeah, you work like, Skywars down to rudimentary <laughs> levels and kept it as simple as possible that a corporate engineer could do it. I mean, no use in fireworks or Did any experience. Did you make fun of a trades worker? He made fun of a carpenter. He could have said plumber, but he did not. I did not. not. He did but not. He picked I'm another tradesman. <laughs> <laughs> but anybody with no experience with fireworks could have done it because of the rudimentary level that you put it down to. Um, yeah. But like AJ, he's just been doing this so long and so many times that he knows what he has to do and he can convey that very easily. Yeah. I don't know if I've done it that long. <laughs> You've done it so many years and I just had a good times. teacher. You know, you know enough about what you've experienced, how you've experienced it, and what you've learned. And I think mm. from several years worth of screwing it up and doing it the wrong way, people would ask, like, you know, how do you, how do you, get to the point where you can do this stuff. And I like one of the biggest takeaways always is after your show, sit down and make a list of all the stuff that you said to yourself throughout your entire, like whether it be design all the way through getting the show off the ground. I hated that. I hated every second of this because chances are if whatever you say makes your list of stuff that you feel like didn't go smoothly or you hate or whatever, that's all you stuff. Yeah, that's all stuff that you can sit down and figure out how to 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 better make an efficient plan of action to to kind of get through that the next time you got to go through it. And what what was it that was it Einstein or Thomas Edison? He didn't find out a hundred ways to fail. He found a hundred ways right. not to make a light bulb. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. That's right. He didn't discover light bulb. He found a hundred ways not to do it. <laughs> that is correct.
<laughs> you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So find out what works for you. And I think as far as workflow goes, if we were to break it down in a summary from beginning to end, because I think we've touched on everything from music all the way through to, to show day here. Um, is there anything that you guys want to cover for workflow when it comes to the actual execution of the show? Like what about, um, you know, when do you guys try to go through your testing procedures? I mean, obviously I think the answer to that immediately is as soon as possible. (laughs) Do you mean the script itself or just testing all your modules? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I, I guess maybe we can talk about that too. I mean, do you guys do you guys? I think all of us do some degree of gear testing before we'll actually roll out to the field because that would be uh, stupid. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> test all my gear, charge on my gear, make sure it's all working. Actually, a couple months in advance in case I need to replace batteries or send something in, so I'm not down something. But my scripting, I'll, I'll run it all the way through. You know, my sound system, actually the actual speakers and test it out in the field to make sure the sound's going to sound good, mixing board, whatever I'm using several months in advance. Once I'm done with it, I'm going to test it and just like, okay, that sounds good. That's going to work. And then uh, same thing with my script. I'm going to make sure everything's working and everything's flowing smooth and all that. And then on uh, shoot day, I'm getting all that equipment, make sure it's all charged while I'm you know, I'm multitasking at that point, but that's one of the first things I do. I'll make sure all my modules are charged the night before. Um, and then once everything's hooked up, getting everything in test mode, make sure I got continuity on everything as soon as possible. Um, try to get that done a few hours before the actual show starts. Um, so it's kind of a, not a stressful moment in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and we've all been there. <laughs> Every year. <Pure panic. laughs> Actually, last year went as smooth as butter. <laughs> yeah, AJ did rain. a great job. Oh, didn't it he rain? did. AJ did an amazing <laughs> job. I actually just watched. It was raining. I was under the tent and he was running around. It was great. <laughs> Thank you, AJ. What does that mean? It means he was dry and you had to do all the work. And I love that. But I had it organized. He knew what he was you doing. Did. <laughs> he knew what he was. He knew what his job was. It's all that matters. Right. He fused that cake with perfection, baby. <laughs> yeah. Stop talking you didn't about it. Anything? I don't fuse it. <laughs> <laughs> you just had to pick things up and put them down. <laughs> what? <laughs> I couldn't help it. What, what did you just say? <laughs> You said you had to fuse that cake. I said all you had to do is pick things up, put them down. Pick things up because all the racks and cakes were already ready. Well, we were just waiting for the rain and testing. We tested. Well, actually, technically, you and me tested two days prior. Right? It was two days prior to your show. We had a few of them tested. Yeah, yeah, we had quite a few of them already tested and ready. Well, you guys do local continuity checks prior to prior to the show. Cause I think we did at your show, Jamie, I think we, we went down the line as we set stuff up and did local yep. continuity checks after a position was kind of, kind of confirmed done. All right. It's all landed. It's all punched down. After so, I match something, I yeah. check continuity just to make sure everything's possession before I clean up wire management, because I, I test it before and after. Yeah. Yeah. And then before the show. Yeah. The local continuity checks do wonders for checking the actual position we all shoot Cobra here. So, you know, once things are done locally, yeah. 
pull up your 18R2 and you're you're thumbing through all your channels. I think at that point, it in the back of your mind, it gives you a warm and fuzzy that if you don't have a channel or, or you're not seeing it, but you know you have local continuity, chances are here's what it probably is. It's you know this module probably just wasn't synced to the system, or you know somebody probably just didn't put the antenna in, which isn't so much a problem anymore with mesh networking. But or it's still in test mode. Or it's still in test mode. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. Or you get what I got last. Um last July, which is important too. STD. Doing local and then, what did you just say to me? He said an STD. <laughs> but go ahead. Oh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Dick. Or so you doing, get what I get. Herbies. Doing local continuity is the best, obviously, yes. But as soon as you can, turn on that remote and double check it from there because while everything was perfectly fine out there during locals. As soon as I turn on the remote, I am missing two channels. So I went out there. I'm like, Oh, the module's got to be off. Get there. There is no module hooked up to these slats. <laughs> Panic mode. Cause shows going off and I'm the finale with 14 minutes to spare to run to the truck and hook this <laughs> up and get it all back together the way it's got to go. Because in my head, I thought, Oh, you know, everything's fine. We tested continuity. All I got to do is turn on the remote. Good to go. Nope. Nope. That is a, uh, that's a very funny story. I think the one that takes the cake was a Jamie show when uh, those randos plugged both ends, <laughs> plugged in a DB25 cable from slat A to slat B. And I think they even had another one where they took the same DB25 cable and plugged it in to one side of slat B. And then again, the other side into the other side of slat B. They were never, they weren't attached to any module. They were just, you know, it's like <laughs> people just took a cable. module melted. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. Yeah. Oh, I miss you, everything. Well, you know what? Dad took that surprisingly well. For somebody who, Jamie's I got money. For yeah. <laughs> I knew he was going to get it back. That's true. I, I think, I think was it was in the mail before he got oh, home. Dude. Yeah, it was in. I think the Cobra. I think he forwarded us the. Uh, hey, your your order's in. I we had that like the next morning, so Dad was pretty happy. <laughs> Normally, when that crap happens and like somebody uses his stuff and he's like, you'll hear for hours, but this is why I don't let people use my stuff. <laughs> he gave him his name. Yeah, he likes me. <laughs> big time, small time. <laughs> so with your crew that you have, Bo, and I mean, I guess that's another good point we could all talk about too, is how our shows are, your planning for these shows de- determines by what crew you have, I guess. Yes, yeah, true. The, the, the quality of the crew, the knowledge of the crew and how many people you have. Cause Two of you ain't putting together a thousand cues in two yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Please show that's yeah. part of the planning, I guess. Too, yeah. Is to know I mean, who it's, you're it's, gonna have there. It's part of the planning, and I like I. This is this has gotten hard for me the last couple of years, especially like the I late, bet. because I, I feel like I've lost, I've lost the interest of a lot of my my cousins in the family that would historically be there to, to kind of help dad and I with this stuff. I mean, we gain one of dad's friends, John comes out and John's awesome. He, yeah, he, he helps out a ton. He does a, he does good work with dad and, you know, <laughs> keeping dad on task or at least not, not so much keeping him on task as it, as it is like getting him to kind of let's, you know, on delay 
let's move it. Let's try to move it along a little, uh, one notch or two above the speed of molasses. Just don't worry um, about it. Exactly. Don't worry about it. Um, getting him to move that stuff along that that's where things get really I, like my stress level tends to boil over I get and I need to be a little better because I, I don't handle that well um, you know this is like dad and I and our relationship with fireworks it's awesome stuff and I feel like it's done wonders for our relationship but like the you know doing the lake show with him I just need to cool my jets sometimes when it comes to the the speed in which he puts his stuff together because it just I, I am not the fastest in the world when it comes to putting putting stuff together. But I think what happens is like that pressure mounts over when you know you you're down to you're down to show day, the morning of show day, and you got a body segment that has one out of three boards completely done. And then the pyro musical is not even completely like it's it's not laid out on the boards and and totally out the door yet. Maybe that could be sitting somewhere around 80% at that point. But you know, Losing those bodies, it is really hard to plan for that kind of stuff. This past year for Power Rangers, that was the worst I think that it's been in years. And that was a low Q count show, right? I mean, the the biggest part of that show was the integration with DMX, which was different. So there was some admin stuff that I had to do last minute um, to, you know, because I think last minute I I figured I wanted to go from shooting traditional straight audio box to an integration, uh, you know, a mix of audio boxes and Simpty and then run the, run the entire show off of Simpty time code and utilize Pyrocast while it's still free. Um, <laughs> but, so it was really, and again, really cool stuff. But as far as having help, um, I got some help the day of the show, whether it be from neighbors and then a couple of my cousins showed up. Um, but at that point, you know, they're, they're not really privy to anything that's happened before that. So they just kind of show up and they're like, Hey, uh, what do you want me to do? And at that point, there's still so much stuff to do. It was, it was way easier. Like the year that you guys came out was a godsend because, you know, you feel like there's two more of, of yourself. You know, you feel like there's two more people that, that know exactly what to do and how to do it. Um, and they don't require any of that supervision. But, you know, the people that touch it, if you have people that help out from family every single year, they're only touching that stuff once a year for, you know, maybe a week tops or a few days. So it gets to be one of those things where there's always refreshers and there's always kind of like a, a degree of oversight that you want to make sure you're there for just to make sure that everybody remembers how to do things safely and properly as they kind of That's go through. Safety is... Big. And even for like, uh, so they have to show uh, my brother-in-law... Uh, Nathan, he helps me on the shows and he only helps on the one show a year. Refreshing with him. I don't think I really ever have to do it the last few years. Like he just, it's, you know, well, and, that's, and that's awesome that you have somebody that can retain that, right? Oh yeah, that oh they, yeah. Trust me. <laughs> Wife helps me a couple of times a year and it's always a refresher. How do I poke this? What do you want me yeah. to do? <laughs> it's because she picks up all the racks and moves them for you. Oh, shit. <laughs> that was when my back was hurt, right? <laughs> Just don't, don't be mad. Okay. She's the one that don't loads the trailer and unloads the trailer. So you no, I did that one time too when I was hurt. But the, <laughs> I guess if you're gonna find crew too, I guess find someone. They don't even have to, you know, be so into it. But just make sure that they're detailed. 
You know, they're not yeah. just like mm, whatever. And I'll understand the the danger. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. God, there's so many things that we can discuss in this stuff. That I know. I, I, I see how you were talking. I, I'm sorry to go off again. How this gets so far because you start talking about one thing and it makes yep. you think of the millions of things that technically are in this kind of planning. Yep. Yeah. 100%, dude. Dividing it, dividing it out into different subsections of what you're doing and then being able to become or embody the project manager of this kind of stuff is, is hugely important. And I think that's at the heart of the discussion of workflow. When you're able to feel like you can efficiently get through all of these different sub segments of what it takes to get a fireworks show off the ground, especially scripted work. Um, because you wear so many hats throughout the entire process you almost have to be a jack of all of those trades to make this wildly successful. And I think the more things that you can look at from the outside and like, you know, kind of open the lens to yourself, point the lens at yourself and go, I excel at this, but I suck at this. You know, I excel at the design stuff, but you know, I, I could really get better at, the administrative planning, right? So when I get to a site, you know, the people that I do have coming to help that can't that can't read my mind, they know exactly what they need to do and and how to do it. Uh, do you guys have any um like uh, any final thoughts on on workflow beginning to end? Any words of words of wisdom from beginning to end? Just have fun with it because there if you, you go. If, if and you're gonna drive yourself nuts. I, I don't care. I drive myself nuts all the time. I call Bo. I think I, I call Jamie too and tell him, I'm I just can't take this. Like I'm going nuts. Yep. You do. But I love it that much. And I want it to be so done so well. That's what gets me. That's the one big thing I wish I could get away from this is getting away from the whole nervous part of it. But I want it to be good. But have fun with it. If you're not having fun with it, the day of the show or the setup, you're not going to want to do it. And then it'll ruin it all for you. So yep. just have fun. Yeah. And that's probably the wisest thing said. Yeah, like in the context of of this entire ordeal, since I mean, we, we do this from the seat of hobbyists and guys that, you know, are not really meriting a paycheck by doing this crap, but it just becomes something that we're throwing our free time at. Um, like that's super important. All right. What do you got, Jamie? Hit me with some, some knowledge. Hit me with the last minute words of wisdom. Don't wait to the last minute. There's a lot of work Do a little bit whenever you can. And it all come together in the end. Beautiful. And yourself. What would be your last piece of advice, Bo? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> in a non-daddy Brett way. Yeah, in a non-daddy Brett. <laughs> <laughs> now all that's going through my head are daddy Brettisms. <laughs> Stop uh, talking about it. Yeah, I, I know what dad's words of wisdom would be. If I, if I asked him right now, his would be shoot him up. <laughs> that's exactly what he would say verbatim, shoot him up. All this, and that's what you got out of that? 
Oh yeah, yeah, bro. Shoot him up. You got a problem with that? <laughs> um, let's see. We got to get minute. your dad on the show. Yeah, we do. Oh my god, that'd be great. Yeah, I I guess the the one thing know know that there's a community, an entire community behind you that is always more than willing to help. And I think at the end of the day, um, be able to objectively look at the way that other people do things and make a determination for yourself if it fits your application. Because I think that's what's not always taken into account when you get into those, you know, when, when you go down one of those rabbit holes where there's 15 people arguing about the, the best way to do something, right? I mean, it's, it's totally, it's like if, if people, it just depends on, yeah, I know. It just depends on what, what you're doing. Everything has to be, um, everything is applicable to the way your show goes because no two sites are the same. Um, no two product conglomerates are the same. I mean, everything is just slightly different. So all of those variables need to be taken into account before you can determine what makes sense and, and what's optimal for the way that you do things. So I think that's, that's probably my, my high level advice. All right, there you go. There's workflow at a very high level. I'm sure there's ways that we'll f- we'll figure out how to dive into all of the many things that encompass workflow. AJ, like you said earlier, there's about a billion different discussion points for any one itty bitty little thing that you can talk about under the Stop umbrella. Stop talking about it. Stop talking about it.